All right, great. All right, good morning. My name is Linda. I'm a compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic. Um, I'm very honored to be here today. Thank you, Peter, for asking me to come and share. Um, I am so, so very, very grateful for this program. And uh, thanks to the 12 Steps and this beautiful, loving fellowship and a higher power that I choose to call God, um, I experienced the miracles of this program and uh, am grateful to be abstinent. Uh, a couple of facts about me. Um, in January, I celebrated 18 years of abstinence, one day at a time. Um, I have many, many other addictions. Um, they've played a part sometimes interweaving into my eating disorder, which spans the entire spectrum from this side to that side. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for the 12 steps. Thank you, God. <laughs> um, where would I be without it? Um, so um, I'm also 29 years sober in the program. I had to get sober and get in my right mind before I could come to terms with my eating disorder and uh, to be able to think clearly at least because they got all mixed up uh, for many years. So my abstinence today is um, three meals a day no matter what, uh, no binging, no purging, I eat it, I own it, no restricting, um, no bulimic exercise, moderation, what a concept, <laughs> um, I, um, uh, I don't eat sugar. And um, there are a lot of other behaviors that I don't participate in. And um, so that's it in a nutshell. I have a, uh, an eating plan and I text my food in every day. Uh, if I need to make a change, um, I'll text it in uh, a reason and, and what the change is. And I have a lot of red light foods today that I don't participate in and many behaviors. So. Um, you know, as far back as I can remember, all I wanted to do was eat, and all I wanted to be was thin. In a nutshell, you know, eating, that escape, trying to feel differently, trying to feel better, trying to fit in, trying to be okay with me, you know, and all of my insecurities and no self-esteem, no self-respect. Um, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't want to be my friend. You would shun me. Um, there was enough isolation and inferiority complexes and, and, you know, my ego was big. So, you know, I played like, I'm cool, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm a part of. And deep inside was that little child who was scared. I was anxious. I was nervous. I was worried. I didn't know what to do, how do I deal with this, my feelings, my feelings were always overwhelming. You know, little did I know that that, that huge hole that was inside of me was the same exact size as God. You know, and I credit God for my sobriety today because I, believe me, I've tried to do this on my own. Um, I've always had issues with food. I come from a family of alcoholics and compulsive overeaters on both sides of my family. And, uh, you know, I inherited it all and all the other obsessions and compulsions. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to just control it. Little did I know I was trying to control it and I was willing to die for it. You know, I can relate to Karen Carpenter and what she went through and, and how she died. And, 
thank God for this program and, and, and people who've been able to reach out for me. Um, you know, I remember when I went to college initially um, that you know, I put on 10 pounds like that, eating in the dormitory. And, and I mean, their food was really pretty good. You know, I liked it. And that dessert buffet, ooh, what a concept. I think I can do this. And when those 10 pounds came on, ooh, I was not ready for that. And I just went into high gear. It was like, how quickly can I sign up for some exercise classes? You know, they had all kinds of different classes, and I was interested in dance. I was a theater major. And, oh, they had just all kinds of things. Um, I was exercising. I was... Uh, doing the dance classes. I mean, I just began to just do it all. And then my friend Debbie taught me the art of bulimia after a buffet dinner one night. Went to the bathroom and game on. Secret. The secret. And I thought, this, this is going to work for me. I like the whole idea. You know, the idea of puking my guts out, barfing up my food. You know, it didn't seem to faze me. How sick was that? A vision for you. Head in the toilet bowl. Head in the toilet bowl again. Binging my brains out. Head to the bathroom. Trying to hide it. No one can hear it. Put the fan on. Oh my God, run the water. All the secrets, the secrets, the secrets. You know, I'm, and I'm living, you know, growing up, I'm living in this alcoholic home and there were many secrets and I learned how to lie early on. Learned how to lie about what was going on at home and why my mother couldn't be there and why this wasn't happening and, you know, why my father's taking me to fashion shows when everyone brought their mother. So it was just all cumulative. You know, I had that training of how to lie. Dishonest. I was a liar, a cheat, a thief. Whatever I could steal. So that was the pattern for my life. And, uh, you know, so that went on. And so... You know, I was a runner. I would, I would be living here and I would get another job and I would move here and I would move there. I mean, I was all over the country, everywhere. You know, I lived in Illinois, Chicago and moved back out to D.C. and Maryland, back to Illinois and then San Diego and Austin, Texas. And, you know, every place I went, there I was. By the grace of God, I was 12-stepped into Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, that was 1985. So I have to tell you this, you know, I'm, I'm binging and purging. I'm compulsively over-exercising. I'm in the gym. I'm a gym rat. I'm, I'm there seven days a week, six to seven days a week, sometimes twice a day, working out. I'm into bodybuilding. You know, all my friends are at the gym. I only date guys at the gym who also have compulsion to exercise and that addiction. I'm like, i got to get it fixed. You know, and I'm there. It's like I, ha- I could have an office there and a phone and a fax and everything. You know, call me at the gym. I'm there. <laughs> And, you know, as it turns out, God works in mysterious ways. The owners of the gym are members of Alcoholics Anonymous. They have been watching me. People watch us. You know, we show a lot. We don't think we do. We're pretending. We fit in. I'm cool. I'm okay. You know, and they've seen me, you know, time and time again at this gym and you know, I, you know, you get, you do the bodybuilding. What a narcissistic sport. Oh, God. Oh, they. I mean, you know, I'm, you're, you're getting ready for this competition and you're eating and you're eating and you're eating and then you're getting ready for the competition and now you're dieting and dieting and dieting and dieting is a big part of my story. The diet of the week, the diet of the month. 
And then I'm getting ready for this bodybuilding thing. It's like super dieting. You know, how ripped can I get? How low can my weight go? I'm really unhealthy now. I do the competition. I don't do well. I'm not genetically gifted and I'm not doing the steroids. I don't do well. And so now it's like binge city for days and weeks. And, uh, and there I am. So the owners of the gym invited me to go to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And well, that really wasn't the invitation I was hoping for, but <laughs> you know, I, could it be like the governor's ball or something? You know, I'm in Austin, Texas now, the state capital didn't happen. So, so I went to that meeting and little did I know that would change my life. That was the beginning of, of a new life, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And they told me that the 12 steps were transformational. And my life began to change. And I began to straighten up and my thinking began to be differently. And things were different for me. And I was very grateful. So about two years into the program, I moved to Chicago, a whole new city. I'm participating in my sobriety. And I'm there. And life is really pretty good. But I'm still working out like a crazy woman. I'm binging and purging. You know, I'm walking into my apartment going, Hello? Is anybody there? just hoping that nobody would be there because I needed to eat and I needed to eat by myself and I needed to eat away my troubles and my emotions because God knows I got a lot of stuff going on here I'm newly sober and I'm crazy I'm sober but I'm crazy you know what I mean you know the the, the monkey's off my back but the circus never leaves town. <laughs> you know, okay, monkey. I still got the circus. And the merry-go-round is going and going and going. And I like that visual. Ooh, it's a Ferris wheel. And uh, so, so I asked my friend who was sober and also in OA, can I go to a meeting with you? She said, sure. So we went to a meeting on the North Shore in Chicago. So I'm at the meeting and, uh, you know, I heard lots of compulsive readers and I heard all this, but I didn't hear anything about the binging and purging. I didn't hear any about restricting or the exercise. You know, I heard about the diets, but I didn't hear all the rest. And I didn't hear what I needed to hear. And maybe, maybe I just wasn't willing. I wasn't at my point. You know, I wasn't at, at my bottom. And so I said, you know what, maybe it's fine for these people because they really need that program. But, you know, I can control it. I can control this thing. And I really thought I could. You know, I really thought I could. So for the next 10 years, I tried to control it. I tried. I really did my best. And as well, you know, I just did my best. And as I tried to control it, I stayed sober, thank God, but I couldn't. I like to think that I went out for 10 more years, trying, doing it, everything, trying every trick in the book, you know. I mean, everything that we try to do and more diets and, and uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And 10 years later, you know, another move to San Francisco and now to L.A., living in the valley. And I'm thinking, you know, I remember I went to that meeting. And you know what? My life has fallen apart. And now I'm depressed. And I don't know what to do. And the thought occurred to me. You know, what about that OA program? 
I'm thinking that might be someplace I, I could go. And so I called the OA office in Reseda, and they told me about a couple different meetings, and I, the next meeting I went to was the 100-pounders meeting on a Wednesday night at the Darby meeting in Reseda. You know, I've gained and lost 100 pounds over the years, and, and while, you know, I, I've never been grossly overweight, I've always been overweight in my mind because I've got a body distortion, a perception distortion, my body image is all muffed up. It's just all over the place. You know, I could never see myself. And that obsession with the scale was like, shh, ugh, my self-worth, you know. It was never good enough, never right. But I went to that meeting and I just began to cry and the tears began and the grief began. And I knew I was in the right place. I began to hear what I needed to hear. That woman that spoke at, at that meeting that night, the 100-pounder woman, I could completely relate to her. I, I identified with the feelings. I identified with how she felt and she thought and what she did and the diets and everything. I could, I could understand. I get it. And then I remembered the 12 steps are transformational. And I knew I had to get busy. So I found myself a sponsor to work with. And I began to learn step by step what my abstinence is. And over time, I will tell you, my abstinence has changed because my body has changed. My hormones are still changing and things are a little wacky, you know. And initially, sugar was not part of my abstinence, but it had to become part of my abstinence later on when it became a problem. And I had a loving sponsor who said, well, I can't tell you that this is something that you need to let go of, but maybe you might decide when and how and I will help you if you want. And so the willingness has come and I began to change and I began to get an abstinence put together. Initially it was, I eat it, I own it. No binging, no purging. You know, and things began to change. It was about surrendering. It was about surrendering my food. It was about surrendering my life. Surrendering my plans for the day, my little plans for the day. You know, but I got that go-to list. I've got that list and that other list, the backup list. and. It, you know, it's a, I'm still working on that, you know. <laughs> I'm a work in progress, you know. It's progress, not perfection. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The most important thing I do on a daily basis is I get in and I like to plug in. I don't know much about electricity. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. But I know when you switch that, the switch on the wall or you turn on that lamp or you click the clicker, TV goes on, lights go on. I love it. It works. I love how it works. I don't know how, the wiring, but that's what I like to do with my higher power every day. I like to plug in. And when I plug into my higher power, I surrender my plans for the day and I ask God for help. I ask God to show me what his or her will is for me today. What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? And what do you want me to say? You know, I surrender it. Surrender, surrender. And I might go back to it during the day and surrender this to you I surrender my husband to you I surrender my job to you I surrender her him whatever it is I surrender the sponsee you know and I find that my day goes better I get specific and I ask God for help for binging purging over exercising starving eating sugar and staying sober today just for today one day at a time 
That's how it works. Thank God it's only one day at a time. You know, and <clears throat> it's about emotional balance for me. Oh, I also participate in meditation. This has been a key. This has been one of the biggest things. You know, I meditated off and on over the years, and I couldn't quite make it part of my regular deal every day. You know, but now I do. I set a timer. That's been the key for me. Set a timer. Don't have to keep looking at the clock. And I'm much more evenly balanced. You know, I don't participate in the road rage. I don't have the emotions that go the high and low as much. I make better food choices. I don't get as emotional or, or upset over things during the day. All the difference in the world about my food choices and my portions. You know, how great is that? How great is that? You know, I have a practice self-care today. And the self-care is a number of different behaviors and how I take care of myself. I try not to have too many expectations of myself on a daily basis. You know, I tend to overdo it sometimes. Want to overdo it. You know, sometimes the best idea is just to don't do anything. You know, one of my new themes is don't just do something, sit there. If you overdo things, you know what I mean. Sometimes the best thing is just go upstairs and take a bath. Take a bath and breathe. Just sit down and breathe. How about just... Okay. You know, I go to meetings on a regular basis because that helps me stay abstinent. I participate in service work and I sponsor other women because that helps me stay abstinent and that keeps me in the steps. Keeps me in the solution. You know, if I quit focusing on the problem and focus on the solution, my problem seems to go away. How does that work? Focus on the solution. What is the solution? What can I do to get out of the problem today? You know, thank you. What can I do? You know, um, <clears throat> I have fun today. What a concept. I have fun. You know, I met my husband, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago or so. I met him at a dance because I, you know, I had to quit going dancing for a number of years, you know, too close to alcohol. Then I resumed dancing. My sponsor gave me the, the okay. She said, as long as you're spiritually fit. I'm spiritual. Okay, so if I'm going to go dancing, you know, can't go if I'm angry, resentful, upset. Okay, better stay home. Better go to a meeting. Call your sponsor. Read the big book. So, you know, anyway, so I went dancing. I love to go dancing. I mean, I go dancing. I feel like I've just been to like five meetings. Swear. I'm like floating on the way home. Woohoo! You know, my favorite is disco dancing. I'm an old disco queen. I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. I like to just do all that thing, you know, at the disco. I also do West Coast Swing. So, you know, like tonight to dance uh, down in El Segundo. We'll go and have a great time. I love that. You know, so I like to do fun things. I love to travel. Uh, you know, I go on sober cruises. I go and participate in the birthday party and conventions. And I just, I love to do it, you know. But I got a moderation, again, moderation. Um, and so, you know, I have to say that uh, one of the things that I'm really, really grateful for is I have just in the past few months become, I've just gotten all this new willingness. You know, willingness to continue to grow, willingness to continue to work on my stuff. You know, I still have stuff. 
and I became willing to do work on some of my core issues coming from that crazy chaotic alcoholic family and so I've started doing some extra things working on that I started going to therapy I started going to another program to focus on that I started working in another area and let me tell you it's just bringing up a lot of stuff for me you know I've been in tears lately I've had a lot of emotions just bubbling up you know and it's all good you know it's all good and it's all God because God has been showing me what to do putting the right people in my in my life at just the right time leading me on helping me and it's helping me stay abstinent helping me stay on track helping me out the biggest thing was recently um, I just went out to visit my father he lives out in Virginia Beach Virginia I go out to visit him on a regular basis he's getting older and you know the thing is he sold his truck years ago he used to let me use his truck and so now I'm a full adult but he doesn't let me use his car <laughs> his good car you know yeah I used to crash cars when I was younger but and I don't anymore so but he won't let me use it and the thought really never occurred to me to actually rent a car when I'm there but you know people tell us things you know and so it was suggested that I rent a car and she said you know I would just rent a car why did you rent a car I would rent a car she says rent a car okay so I go to rent a car and now the car is going to be too expensive my anorexic self says well no that's too much money come on you know whatever oh maybe it's not you're not worth it and my therapist said rent a car my sponsor said you know I find you know when I do these things emotionally there's such an emotional payoff I said I get it I rented the car that day I had the car I got out there and I had the rental car I told my dad I said I don't need a ride from the airport because I'm gonna have the rental car you know I've got my iPhone I got the maps directions I said I'll call you if I need help great fine I'm telling you it made all the difference in the world it was amazing I was an adult I made adult decisions the food was not even an issue sometimes the food is an issue when I go home family of origin all the emotions things that come up the things that just stir us up it was not an issue it was incredible it was recovery working for me and God doing for me what I can't do for myself yes I asked for help every day yes I called people on the phone I had my connections I went to meetings I went to the gym moderation at the gym I didn't overdo it I was there treated me differently they did they treated me more like an adult the adult that I am you know this program shows me miracle after miracle by the grace of God today I'm I'm at a healthy body weight I don't get on the scale anymore I have no business on the scale anymore I practice these principles in all my affairs and every day I say thank you God for another day of abstinence and another day of sobriety and I make that gratitude list that long gratitude list wow how amazing is that you are my family and I'm grateful to be here and thank you so much for letting me share it with okay this is the time for questions only if there's no sharing or there is no sharing at this meeting if you need to share please do so with any of us after the meeting also please remember that the opinions of the whole the leader 
are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. All right. So, uh, okay. Time for questions. Anybody have any questions? Okay. Oh, yes. Hi. Uh, Thanks for your share. I'm just curious. It's not my experience, but I'm curious because I just want to see if I have experience. Did you see find that you needed a different higher power for the different program? Or was the same concept that you used to get over applicable? Okay, question being, uh, did I need a different higher power um, when I got abstinent? from when I got sober. I don't believe I needed a different higher power, but I needed to have more faith. I needed to have a different level of faith. So that was something that I had to work on because being new in Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I had tried to control it for so long by myself. I had this such a strong desire to want to control it it was really difficult to really turn my food over to a higher power so that took a while Um, it it took a while and I was really trying to still work on that faith anyway because it was very fragile and uh, it was at a low level Um, it was a very gradual transition because mind you I had a lot of religious stuff that I had to keep purging and transforming and I always remember trust I have to work on trust because I had such issues with trusting anyone or anything so that took a while it took a great while and uh, reading a lot of of uh, program books big books all the, the all the 12 and 12s and and then other spiritual books there there were so many spiritual books that really helped me transition and helped me just to get through the day you know okay I can trust that situation it was just starting with the little things to ask my higher power to help me with one more soul at a time thank you did you do step four eight nine in OA or and if, so, if you did how is that uh, yes, I did steps four, eight, nine in OA, and and they were different because you know every sponsor likes to have you do them differently, and um, and so you know early on I just had that willingness to follow sponsor direction, and it really served me. I won't say I was perfect in that way because I still had my own ideas, but. For the most part, when it came to that work, I, I did. I, I wanted to please my sponsor, but I, I wanted what my sponsors had. So I remember um, when I did my fourth step in OA, I used the, the chocolate book, the OA 12 and 12, and I answered, you know, those four million questions in there, you know, which I thought, oh, this is going to take a lifetime. I mean... And, but you know, it was a great exercise and I, it was a great value to me to go through that. And I thought some of those questions were pretty ridiculous, but you know, I answered them anyway. 
and some of them fortunately were no um, but it was really helpful and then you know the eight and nine I remember doing with a different sponsor because my sponsor had wanted me to work with somebody who had bulimic experience and anorexic experience so I did that and that was great um, yeah so it was a, it was a different experience and you know every time I've gone through those steps I've had another transformation I've I've had another spiritual experience and I've had a little more faith and better recovery as a result and so I'm grateful for that thank you Yes. Yes, how do I deal with the fears and the anxiety and everything? Um, well, it seems like I deal with different ones differently. Uh, for one, if it's, if it's a fear about something, oh, you know, the work-related things that come up, um, if I'm doing something new or I've got something different going on, a different scenario or situation, um, that, you know, I, I know today that I've got to go to my higher power. Um, and the fears also, it's a great help if I do some writing about it. Um, the writing always reveals things to me and mind you I don't like to write a whole lot uh, that's another thing where I've had a whole new willingness to do writing recently oh my gosh um, but the writing is really helpful to put it down on paper and to really write about it and write what that fear is and why and that's tremendously helpful also talking about it with a sponsor and mind you, I've got a couple different sponsors, which is great. If somebody's not available, maybe I can get the other one. Um, and, and then it's, you know, going to a meeting, sharing about it. You know, when we share those fears, we release a lot of the power that they have over us. And that relief is so, so great. Um, if it's something that, is, that continues to happen, it's more like a character defect. You know, I've been, being, I've been accused of being a worry wart. You know, it comes from my core issues, you know, of, of worrying over things, you know, the future, the future. You know, the future is always fear. You know, if I'm in fear a lot, it's like I'm worried about something later today or how it's going to work out or the results and the expectations. And that is something I have to leave to God. You know, I'm in, I have to focus on what I can try to do my efforts but I've got to leave the expectations to God and but if it's a character defect that keeps repeatedly happening you know I've got to go back to the third step and say did I even release this yeah for 10 seconds and then I took it back and I do this sometimes we all do it you know it's about going back and saying well did I really drop the rock did I really turn this over to God? You know, I turn my will and my life over to God, and then I'll sometimes go, okay, I'm going to turn my husband over to your care today because I need to stay out of his business. I'm going to turn over whatever I have to do at work today that's maybe a little scary, 
something I'm doing for the first time, or whatever it is, that I have to turn it over to God. Should I call my sponsor, go to a meeting? What can I do to get in the solution? So there are a lot of tools, you know, it's about using that toolbox that we have. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I heard you talk about dysmorphia, and you know, not understanding what size your own body is. Um, and uh, you seem to have gotten that pretty straight in your head, but does it still be in your heart? And if it does, what do you do with that? Yeah, it's still, it's still there. You know, the circus is still in town. Um, you asked about the dysmorphia and, and body image and, and what I do about that. And, you know, some days I'm more in acceptance than other days. And the days that I'm not, I, that's when I need to use the toolbox. And, um, you know, I go to my sponsor about this. I'll go to another anorexic bulimic about it um, to do some writing on it and to use the tools again. And sometimes I'll just go, okay, you know, I, it gets to the best of me and I look in that mirror and I think, lies, lies, lies. You know, will this ever end? And sometimes it's just sad. And then I go, you know, I've got to accept that this is the way it is today. You know, and then I'll hear somebody say, you know, They'll talk about the statue, you know. Nobody weighs the same weight every day and or looks the same all the time and except for a statue. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting too much out of myself. And I'm trying to play God. And when I think I know better than God, that's when I need to back down a little bit and work on my humility. I just know that it's all part of my disease. And I can practice the self-forgiveness that's so hard for me to do sometimes. And go, okay, I can release this thought. God, please help me to release this thought that does not serve me today. Because the thoughts come. And I'm powerless over the first thought that comes, but I'm responsible for the second thought and the third thought. Mm-hmm. And I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for your share. Could you be a little bit more specific um, about your maybe morning routine and when you enjoy it? Sure. Sure. Um, the question is about my morning routine and how I plug into my higher power. <clears throat> when I get up in the morning, I get up, I go to drink my green juice, my antioxidant stuff for the day. I come back and now at least I'm a little bit awake enough to do my prayers and uh, I like to get on my knees and I grab a couple meditation books from the stack and I like to do some readings because I need to get some thoughts going in my mind to replace those thoughts that I just woke up with because those thoughts need to exit. <clears throat> and so I try to get some recovery thoughts going on thoughts of my higher power so I do some readings and that sort of sets the mood and the focus of the day and then you know I go into my prayer mode and you know first of all I thank God for my abstinence that day and for my sobriety and then I go through a short or a long gratitude list 
sometimes a short gratitude list and I go I might go for a power walk later to do the long gratitude list the ABCs and uh, and then I do a third step and I ask God to show me what his or her will is for me today you know what do you want me to do where do you want me to go who do you want me to talk to and what do you want me to say and I might turn over to God whoever whatever is on my concern list for the day or maybe what I'm obsessing about that day or to help me not do something you know to there might be a character defects that effect that's facing me today and uh, I'll pray about that and then I might pray for some people oh I didn't mention the resentment prayer it's a prayer that I have to do a lot because I tend to have resentments you know and uh, so I might be praying for someone for two weeks like the big book says but for me sometimes I have to do a month you know that's just me because I don't release them easily you know some people do and I don't and um, so there are some other things that can play in other things I turn over and uh, God help me to stay positive help me to stay on the beam today help me to take care of myself in better ways today help me to love myself and then please help me to stay abstinent and then I, I get specific I'll say please take away any desire to drink booze do any drugs overeat undereat binge purge starve over exercise compulsively think today um, eat any sugar and any other behaviors that seem to be calling me that day sometimes it's a long list when you're really obsessive and compulsive and have lots of addictions so thank you yes thank you how do you approach interpersonal Thank you. How do I approach interpersonal relationships um, today as compared to before? Um, great question here. These are really great questions, you guys. Um, and I'm on the stand. So, you know, I have to say I really approach relationships differently today. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that because... Um, you know, I, I love and approve of myself today differently. And I like to surround myself with winners. And I like to surround myself with people who are in recovery and people who are working their program. And I'm pleased to tell you that I've let go of some friendships that did not serve me. And I continue to do that when necessary. And it's not easy to do it's really not easy to do but um, I reach out for help and I reach out for support and I get that support and um, you know I let go of a friendship just last year that was really not serving me and, and sometimes I don't get it right away and I don't get it for a while and then something happens and I go whoa I don't really want to call that person back and I get really angry initially I get really angry and then my sponsor says, you know, what's behind the anger? It's hurt. It's sadness. It's some other feelings. And maybe you need to do some writing on this. And then the writing becomes clear. Oh, okay. Wow. So how do I let go of this person? 
you know, and each situation is different. Like sometimes I can just back off from somebody, you know, and keep it very at a distance, and that's okay. And especially if it's somebody I have to interact with. And, you know, I had a situation with this person at work who made me crazy by spraying flowery scents all over, and I'm, I can't deal with that. And, you know, in menopause, it's like, oh, I get headaches, I get nauseous, and then I want to throw up, and this is not working out. And, I mean, so I really had to work up with my sponsor on that situation. What do I do? And um, he actually persisted, and I ended up having to write an anonymous letter to our, um, our boss, the big boss. And, um, and so, you know, and sometimes it's just trying to detach from them with love and letting them go and wishing them well and wishing them well, wishing them all the best, but not participating in that friendship or that relationship any longer. So it just depends, but, um, we get to choose differently today. Thank you. Uh, I have long-term sobriety and I'm also in GA a long time. And this program always kicks my ass. And I speak to my sponsor and my sponsor says to me, I have a bottom line abstinence, but I haven't learned moderation in any aspect of my life. I know what black is, I know what white is. But I'd like you to address the word moderation being as you're multi-addicted to. Thank you. How do I address um, moderation uh, since I'm multi-addicted to? Um, it's, it's been such a foreign concept to me for so long. Um, it's been very, very, very gradual. I mean, I like to just use the term one little morsel at a time, like a little mustard seed. And I've had to continue to work at this, and sometimes I still have to work at it. That, um, that... I've had to talk to my sponsors about this time and time again to try to set up parameters, uh, whether it's a behavior, whether it's a certain food, um, talking to my fellow travelers, and um, really talking to other people that have have that same issue. Um, Reading spiritual books, praying for the willingness, asking God for help, asking God for the willingness to practice the moderation the the exercise has been the hardest and then you know I, I tried to I really tried to control that whole thing with the sugar for a long time and um, and and it then it became a problem and, and I wasn't willing to give it up and it was like I can't seem to do with the moderation thing and and but I don't think I can give it up and stay abstinent and I had so much fear over this it was just it was huge and um, again, talking about it, writing about it, and that sponsor that I had at the time, who who has since passed, was this incredibly powerful woman. And she didn't push me; she encouraged me. She loved me every step of the way, and she helped me through talking about it, through no, no judgment either. It was just beautiful that I finally came became willing to let that go because I couldn't practice the moderation. 
sometimes it just it becomes me I become sick of my character defects and I become unwilling to play that game and it's like this again this is in my face again and when I repeatedly feel bad about myself and bad about myself it wears on me and if I become sick of being sick and tired of it then I'm the only one that has to change it and I pray for help thank you you're on thank you